Can you handle the truth? Welcome to the show. I hope everyone's having a great week. I'm happy to have you listening to the show. I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. I'm going to give you some information at the end of this episode that is going to make a lot of you angry. You might unsubscribe. I don't know. So hang on till the end, but fair warning, you'll be angry. I want to make a quick plug right now for tomorrow night's Joke Story Trick Show online. Tomorrow night, I've got actor Larry Hankin on the show. He's a character actor with a super recognizable face. Even if you don't know his name, you might know him as a police officer answering the phone while eating a donut in Home Alone. He played Old Joe, who owned the salvage yard in Breaking Bad. He was on Friends, Seinfeld, Billy Madison. I'm super lucky to have him on the show. You can watch the show for free on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. The easiest way to watch is to go to jokestorytrick.com, which will take you there directly. It's Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Now let's get on to this week's show. Today's topic comes from my friend Evan. Hey, Michael. This is Evan from historic downtown Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I recently learned that Thomas Jefferson is the man responsible for bringing mac and cheese to the United States. I thought you might like to check that out. Thanks. I have never heard of this. It sounds like it's not true because mac and cheese feels like an invention of the 1980s. It seems like that's when processed foods really hit their stride, you know. But let's take a look. I stand corrected. This is true. Thomas Jefferson. Wow. Who knew? You know, feeding a whole ball team isn't too big a job when you have Kraft macaroni and cheese dinner handy. You cook the macaroni fresh in seven minutes, and Kraft grated melts good cheddar flavor all through. Costs only a nickel a serving. Okay, boys, come and get it. Kraft home-cooked dinners, the quick kind you cook up fresh. Most Americans know mac and cheese and associate it with the Kraft brand, which is by far the most popular. Everyone knows mac and cheese. Even in the UK, where it's seen a popularity boom in the last decade, and it's sold sometimes as cheesy pasta. Here's a crazy stat for you. Every day, Kraft sells one million boxes of their macaroni and cheese. For them, it started in 1937, when they launched their first Kraft dinner. I should mention, I'm not sponsored or paid by Kraft or Heinz, their parent company, in any way. It's just that they're integral to the story. In America, its popularity is a story of comfort and convenience. Processed cheese is nothing new. Like I said earlier, in my head, it became popular in the 1980s, but I'm totally wrong about that. Processed cheese has been around for more than 100 years and started as an effective way to get food rations to troops. The idea of an inexpensive cheese product that doesn't need to be refrigerated is obviously useful for storage and transportation. So a prepackaged mac and cheese dinner came along just in time for our troops serving in World War II. It gave them carbs and proteins and reminded them of home. Back at home, America had just seen the height of the Great Depression in 1933 and was still suffering economically when these mac and cheese dinners were introduced. They were an inexpensive way, just pennies a serving, to get a filling meal in the bellies of starving people. It served four people for just 19 cents. In that first year, they sold 9 million boxes. Since then, the popularity of the meal has only increased. It's common to see macaroni and cheese at the fanciest restaurants today. 
usually with some sort of unique flair, whether it be crumb topping, artisan cheeses, smoked flavors, or adding ingredients like lobster or bacon. The popularity isn't what's in question here, though. We want to know about its origin, and I'll get to that in a minute. But guess what? I have a new sponsor helping make this show popular, so don't skip ahead on this one. At least listen to it once, because it's something that a lot of you can probably actually use. I get asked on a weekly basis how I'm running my shows online. Between snazzy transitions, backgrounds, graphics, quality sound, people want to use the tools and tricks that I'm using to help make their own presentations stand out. I'm talking about getting away from the boring meetings where it's just a bunch of talking heads putting everyone to sleep. But here's the thing. If I just told you what I'm using, it's not going to help much. There is a pretty substantial learning curve. That's where Virtual Presenter Course comes in. We're talking about step-by-step instructions that even non-tech-savvy people understand. It'll help turn your presentations into a virtual broadcast studio. I want your online meetings to be awesome, so I'm going to get you 20% off your order. Just go to virtualpresentercourse.com 30 or use the link in the show notes and I promise you'll immediately like what you see. It's virtualpresentercourse.com 30 and you too can be a world-class presenter. Do you like jokes? How about stories? What about magic tricks? If you said yes to any of those, you'll love my weekly live stream show, Joke Story Trick Live. Every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we gather to tell listener jokes, do magic, even learn magic, and bring on a special guest to tell a story. We've had everyone from a sitting U.S. congressman to television stars to WWE wrestlers. It's always a great time, and it's a free show. Just go to jokestorytrick.com to watch past episodes or tune in every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's jokestorytrick.com. I hope to see you there. I'm excited to be partnered with this company because it's a product that I've used and loved for years. Scotty Vest makes gear that looks great and is packed with pockets. And as much as I travel, that's always been a huge perk. But even on years like this one where I don't travel as much, my Scotty Vest fleece is just as useful because I'm always carrying so much stuff with me. My wallet, my phones, my keys, my mask, and there's a pocket for everything. Not only that, They now have an awesome new face mask that allows you to even use a straw while wearing it. Go to scottyvest.com, that's S-C-O-T-T-E-V-E-S-T.com and use my promo code, tell me, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's scottyvest.com and enter promo code, tell me. If you're a fan of this show, my other show, Joke Story Trick, or my comedy magic career in general, you should consider supporting me by joining my Patreon. I work hard to make sure that there's always fresh content on there, including bonus footage, exclusive videos, and free stuff like stickers, balloons, drink koozies, and more. You can join for as little as a dollar a month and can leave at any time. I consider the folks over at Patreon my most loyal and true fans, and I would love to see you there too. Just go to patreon.com slash michaelkent and choose what level of membership is best for you. You can pledge $1, $5, or $10 and get more and more bonuses the more you pledge. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. How old is macaroni and cheese? Well, if we're talking about processed powdered cheese and macaroni in a box... 
that's going to go way back to what we talked about before the break, 1937. But mac and cheese is much older than that, and it didn't start in America. All right, I'm going to read you a quick recipe. Make a thin sheet of dough and carve it in pieces. Place them in boiling water and boil them well. Take cheese and grate it and add it and place butter beneath and above as with lasagna and serve. That sounds a little weird because it's a recipe translated from Middle English taken from a 14th century cookbook in England. So mac and cheese was around in the 1300s in England and if you listened to last week's episode about John Doe, it has that in common. The cookbook is called Form of Curie. There were also pasta and cheese casseroles in Italy at the same time they used Parmesan cheese. Throughout the years, there have been many iterations of the recipe, including a famous one by English author Elizabeth Raffold in 1770. So it was definitely a dish in Europe in the 1700s, and we know that Thomas Jefferson lived in Paris from August 1784 to September 1789. Some accounts tell a story of Jefferson visiting Italy during that time and falling in love with macaroni and cheese there. Others talk about him having the dish in Paris. In Jack McLaughlin's Jefferson and Monticello, The Biography of a Builder, the story is told that Jefferson brought the recipe back from Paris, including a sketch of the pasta and notes on the extrusion process. He even asked the U.S. ambassador to France to buy a machine that makes the pasta. He also imported macaroni and cheese from France around that time and served it at a state dinner in 1802. And from many accounts, this is the first appearance of macaroni and cheese in America. While Thomas Jefferson commonly gets the credit for the dish, many credit a man named James Hemings. You may recognize the name Hemings because James had a younger sister, Sally, one of Thomas Jefferson's slaves with whom he famously fathered as many as six children. James was one of Jefferson's slaves and his chef. It's said that it was Hemings who figured out how to recreate the recipe and learned to cook it at Monticello. A food historian named Adrian Miller has argued that James Hemings probably deserves a fair share of the credit in bringing mac and cheese to the U.S. And in the antebellum South, mac and cheese became sort of a celebration food during weekends and special events. So we can pretty definitively say that yes, Thomas Jefferson and an enslaved man named James Hemings were responsible for bringing one of America's favorite dishes to the country. And now is the time I warned you about. Are you ready? Here it is. I don't like mac and cheese. I never have. I don't know what it is. I like pasta. I like mac. I like cheese. Don't like mac and cheese. I refuse to eat it. So there. Unfriend me on Facebook, unsubscribe to this podcast, leave me nasty emails, do what you must. I just find that when people learn this fact about me, they react with an irrational level of violent disgust. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to listen now to the part of the podcast where I call a friend and see if they already know what we just learned. Today, we're calling Matt Gwynn. Matt's the host of the Adventures of the Albino Rhino podcast and is a stand-up comedian, Welcome, Matt. Hey, what's up, Mike? How's it going? What is going on, Matt Gwynn? It's been a while, man. We uh, we chatted a few weeks ago. Yeah, that we, does feel like a while, actually, with the way things have been lately. Yeah. <laughs> Your podcast, which is called uh, The Adventures of the Albino Rhino. Tell us what that means. Why do we? Why is it called the Albino Rhino? 
Well, okay. So, uh, first off, it's an adventure. It's meant to be it's conversations between me and anybody, various folks. Uh, but the albino rhino thing is actually a specific nod uh, to the fact that one, I'm an albino, and two, uh, in the continent of Africa, there's four specific countries: Tanzania, Malawi, and I can never remember the other two because whatever. Uh, but they uh, have this huge problem with witch doctors hunting albinos, you know, and that kind of correlation between rhinos being poached and us being poached uh, was kind of like, I, you know, I kind of dig that. That's 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 something people don't know, you know? Yeah. Uh, our quick quiz that we do on my show is purposely kept a secret from our guests. So you don't know what this is about. Nope. Um, and it's a little bit lighter topic, lighter hearted topic. So for this first question, if you get it right, I promise I will not post about politics on Facebook for a whole week. I tend to get heated about stuff sometimes on Facebook. I will take a whole week off from posting about politics. If you get it wrong, I will immediately post about politics after I post this episode. It'll be the next post. I mean, that's, that's fine. So this is for the well-being of my f- Facebook friends, basically. <laughs> Which one of these people is commonly credited with bringing mac and cheese to America. So there are three people. I'll give it its multiple choice. Which one of these people is commonly credited with bringing mac and cheese to America? Is it A, Christopher Columbus, B, Thomas Jefferson, or C, Paula Dean? I would say Thomas Jefferson. You are correct. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was responsible for bringing mac and cheese to America after he had gone to France and saw it there. How the... I that, I was like, oh, yeah, Thomas Jefferson probably brought that back from France. Yeah, you're right. You're I don't right. even know how I know that. What the? <laughs> so f- all right, I'll you, take it. You're right. Okay. So I won't post on on about politics for an entire week, starting well, when this well, gets good, posted. Good for your friends and and good for my guys. mental well being. <laughs> question two, for this question, if you get it right, I have to tell you my favorite guilty pleasure movie, like a movie that I'm embarrassed to admit that I love. If you get it wrong. You have to tell me yours. What color is the Kraft mac and cheese box? Is it A, blue, B, green, or C, red? Well, it's mostly blue, but there is some red on it. Mostly. Which, what We'll do the primary it's, well, it's color. It's mostly blue. That is correct. It's mostly blue. It's a mostly blue box. Uh, and so you are correct. I have to tell you my favorite guilty pleasure movie. Most of my guilty pleasure movies I only like because I liked them when I was a kid. So I will say uh, the Police Academy series, even the bad oh, ones. That's not a guilty pleasure movie. Come I on, know. those are amazing. Yeah, I guess it depends on... Uh, the, the first one is definitely amazing. The first one is is incredible piece of work. Uh, it's, it's a piece of art. The second one and the third one, like I like all of them. I love the series. So yeah, there were like six, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love, love the, the franchise. I was just talking about that the other day, like uh, the, the you know the couple movies that Bobcat Goldthwait was in. Yes, yes. Boom. That was his Police Academy was his breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that introduced the world to to Bobcat. So, uh, all right. Question three: If you get this one right, I'll send you a "Tell Me What to Google" sticker in the mail. I've got two hundred of them left, and the show isn't called that anymore. So, they're collector's items. Uh, if you get it wrong, you have to send me some sort of merch having to do with the adventures of the albino rhino. If you don't have any, 
you just promise when you do, you'll send me some. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, so there was a band that released a song in 1992 that claimed if they had a million dollars, they would still eat Kraft macaroni and cheese. Name that band. Was it A, the Eagles, B, New Kids on the Block, or C, Bare Naked Ladies? Bare Naked Ladies. That is correct. It's Bare Naked Ladies uh, out of Canada, and it led people. It led to people bringing boxes of mac and cheese to their concerts and throwing them on stage. Uh, the band had to ask people to stop doing that, and they said, you know, donate them to food banks. Don't throw boxes of <laughs> mac and cheese on stage during our shows. But that was the thing they were doing during that part in the song. That's All fun. right. Man, you're three for three. Uh, this one, I, I don't know how we're going to do with this one. Question four. For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to work in a phrase of my choice in your next podcast, in the, the next one you record. If you get it right, I have to work in that same phrase. So the phrase will be, quick like a fox. That's the phrase. So if you get this wrong, your next podcast has to have the words, quick like a fox in there somewhere. Agreed? Sure. Okay. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Dinner, or Kraft Dinner, has been called the de facto national dish of what country? Is it A, Mexico, B, Canada, or C, Australia? Because of poutine, I'm going to go with Canada. That is correct. You are four for four, and that is a solid logic jump between poutine and Kraft Dinner. Uh, That totally makes sense, because it is... Sort of a similar texture, sort of a similar food. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's Canada. They have called it the de facto national dish, which is probably why people were bringing boxes of it to a Canadian band's concerts. Uh, yeah, that makes more that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> also why a Canadian band sang about it in a hit song. Yes. Question five. This one is for all the marbles, Matt. If you get this wrong, I am banning you from this show, never to be asked on again. What are you looking forward to? In 2021, uh, man, just all the content I'm gonna make. To be completely honest with you, like I, I'm going absolutely nuts this year, and I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a lot of work. It's gonna be fun. I mean, I uh, starting the uh, two-hour music show what? every week. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I plan on putting out so much insanity. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm excited. I hope good. people enjoy it. You know, it's going to be good, man. I mean, well, this month specifically, I'm doing an episode every day just because of March Madness. I was like, yeah, why not? I'll be crazy. Oh, wow. That is a lot of work. Uh, I know how much work the podcasting is and creating content, and it's very ambitious. But you are like me and that you want to keep your, your head in the work to keep you going and keep you moving forward. And I have to appreciate that. So that is a correct answer. And that means you're welcome back on the show anytime. Uh, Before we go, tell people where they can find you and your podcast. Uh, Well, the easiest place to find me is our, uh, the wonderful hub of the Albino Rhino. It's our website, uh, which would be www.internationaltiger.com. I'm not joking. That is legitimately a website that you can type into your address bar and it will take you to my website. If you don't want that in your search history, uh, which is lame, why wouldn't you want that? Or Um, because I I edit out, I edit the podcast and edit out uh, the swear words. So it'll be a beep there. 
But well, tell then, people the uh, alternate. So you can address. find all my stuff at uh, www.albinorhino.me. Albinorhino.me. Albinorhino.me. Pretty easy. Yeah. I'm an albinorhino.me. <laughs> you know, sounds it, good, man. Dude, Sounds I don't good. know how I got lucky with both those web addresses being able to be purchased, but I was like, that's perfect. Fantastic. Well, it's good to see you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review of the podcast on iTunes along with some verbiage. Writing a few words helps a ton to allow other people to find me. Please tune in next week to learn something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions put them at producer status. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Bryce Swanson, Mitch Joseph Kemplin, Alan Sekulik, Eugene Anderson, and Matt McVeigh. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Josh Kirsch. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. <laughs>